Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is Audit. Mr. Logical. Yeah. And your boy 25. America. We got some first round NBA series to recap, some second round series to predict. On my screen, Boston 90, Philadelphia 89, no hold L, I mean, Joel Embiid playing tonight. We got Denver and Phoenix game two coming soon. We gonna recap the NFL draft, give us, give y'all some of our thoughts. And then we always find our way back to Coach Prime. He always saying something that gets our attention. So, you know, we're going to talk about how he feels about the NFL. And then I'm going to talk about how I feel about him. And then also what Mr. Shannon Sharp had to say about this. So, thanks for joining us. Like us. Click. Subscribe. Review. All that. It's free. Yo, Mr. Logical. What's the word? Yo, we back Monday, fun-filled, packed sports weekend. Like I said, we'll get to this NBA. Uh, we got hockey going on. I mean, like, it's just a good time to be a sports fan. Like, I'm, I'm looking off to yes. my left here because yes. I got the uh, I got the Sixers-Celtics game. So, I'm paying attention. I'm just looking over here, you know, just, you know, trying to multitask here. But, yeah, like I said, Mike, you know, let's, let's get into it. Yes, and then we got game seven. Brick City, stand up. The Devils and the Rangers. No score. 14-11 left in the second. Hockey is back, and the madness is here. So, Mr. Logical, we got a round of playoff games under our belts. You know, what you got for the first round? What What stood out to you? What stood out to me was, man, it was good basketball. It was legit, real good basketball. I, everyone's, you know, banging on Adam Silver, saying he doesn't have a good product and everything else. But I think he did a good job. I think he did an outstanding job with these these playoffs. I think, I think early on with the suspensions and the technicals, I think it was kind of getting. I think it was kind of taking over the narrative, but. I mean, come on. Could we, I would have done a nine-game series of Golden State-Sacramento. <laughs> no doubt. I like the I like the Phoenix-LA. I like Rush is coming out, just really just going for it. He's never really been like an efficient score. Like, he, you know, Russ is going to go 11 for 19 for 33 points. So this not what, He's going to go four for 19, but he's going to get to the free throw line 11 times just somehow. Somehow you're going to look up, he's going to have 23 points, 11 assists, and 8 rebounds. And he's going to be exhausted at the end of the game. I think people respect him. Kevin Durant said something in a press conference. He was like, I think, I'm paraphrasing here, he was like, I think it's funny. He's like, he said he thought it was funny how people talk about Russ. He's like, when Russ is done playing and people look back on his career, you're going to see, like, how great of a basketball player he was. Because right now there should be a replica. There should be someone in the league, 23, 24, 25, that reminds you of Russ because of the energy level 
And I can't think of a person like him. So when he's gone, like right off the bat, like think about it. Like Mikel, like Mikel Bridges and KD, I can see Mikel Bridges watching KD tape and putting that in his bag because they're similar with the long arms, 6'9", 6'10"-ish. I can see him getting with a coach that maybe been like a personal coach to KD and doing some of the things that KD does. Yeah, when I watch Mikael Bridges shoot, I feel like that's how it would look if E. Honda shot the ball. Yo, it's crazy. He can scratch his kneecap standing straight up. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I think Devin Booker and the way Kawhi Leonard play, I think Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry, I think a lot of these you could find like, you know, guys with a similar kind of skill set. I think Russ is one of one, and I, I thought it was pretty dope. Unfortunately, with the injuries with the Clippers, I think a healthy Clippers team at this point, maybe I think they might have given Phoenix a little bit more of a run for their money. I think we've got another great seven-game series like we got with the Golden State-Sacramento stuff with the 50-piece. Most ever in a game seven? 35 years old, man. I know. <laughs> You're 35 years old, Johnny. Like, I mean, you shouldn't be doing stuff like this. Yeah. But – like I said, uh, Sacramento Golden State was fun. I like Lakers Memphis. I didn't like the, the. I was talking about this with my son yesterday. Dylan Brooks was just like, "You didn't have to act tough." My son was like, "How you figure he's acting tough?" I'm like, "Because when they won a game, he was in the press and locker room talking about, oh, yeah, he old, he old, he old. I don't respect somebody to give me forty, and then, you know, you give up." The essentially the game ceiling layup and the foul in game was that game four? That was it. That was game yes. four because that put the Lakers up three one. Yeah, in the yeah, overtime. Memphis won game five. Yep. Yeah. So it was like you give that up, but you he didn't come to the podium. He didn't come to the podium for the rest of the time. It's like take your lumps, Ja. Yo, I respect him. He was like, yo. You're going to hear about this. You're fine in the West. So I'm good in the West. He's like, yeah, I said it. You know, I got it. You know, I got to live with that. And I will grow from here. I'm like, so I think, I think they'll be all right. But yeah, like I said, man, it was, it was, it was. It was yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a failure. It's just a step into progress, you know. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, man. You know me, you know, I'm all about that. It not being a failure. Ah, that's a failure season. to me. It's a failure to me. Yeah, not, even, it, not, not even, not even because like, they didn't win the championship. And, of course, we're talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo's answer to the reporter's question, and he said, this season is not a failure. This is just a step along the way, you know. And so, in essence, he's correct, you know. But it's a failure. You were the number one seed, and you lost in five games in the first round to the number eight seed. Now, if they went to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost, not a failure. If they went to the Finals and lost, not a failure. Losing like this in the first round, I'm sorry. That's a failure. Ask the Boston Bruins about it. Yo, listen. I I don't think it's a failure because I don't think the gap. Well, you got to keep Giannis missed two and a half games mm -hmm. out of the five. So your best player plays 50% of the series. And then in the fourth quarter, of games four and five. Maybe he was tightened up. Maybe he couldn't play as loose as he wanted to. And that's why those leads slipped away. Because he probably was playing. He probably was a little bit more hurt. Just probably a little bit more tight. Because I think in 
the game he came back, he was on the sideline, and the guy had the massage gun in his back like every single opportunity he could get. So maybe he wasn't fully, you know, healthy. I'm not saying that's an excuse, but that's just the fact of the matter. You've seen him slam his back on the ground. He missed two and a half games out of five games. So I, don't, I wouldn't consider it a failure. I think the way it looked, the way the two games look like collapses, that's a problem. Which but was, you got to give credit to Spo. You got to give credit to Jimmy Buckets. Mm-hmm. We, we hey, call him Hemi Butler. Hemi Butler. That's Hemi him. Butler. It just hey. some some guys just some guys can just take that moment and take it from you. Like they can just take, they can make your efforts look like a failure. Mm-hmm. The, the I still the, don't know the, how the he got the. Line. I still don't know how he caught the. The lob and you know got that off and I mean he did push oh, off cause, but because he stiff armed Pat Connaughton yeah. like he was going for the Heisman <laughs> Trophy yeah that's how he got it off I don't know why they took I saw Budenholzer he put Connaughton in he took Brooklyn Brook Lopez out you you you, you know like, either put Brook Lopez on the inbounder or leave him at the rim right right but you don't put him on the bench you don't put your seven foot guy even if you feel like Jimmy Butler athletically could have got around him. It was only what, one point eight seconds, something like that. Yeah, you know. So it's like, okay, I'll live and die with you catching and shooting a, a floater, but I can't give you, I can't put Pat Connison on a guy who's coming off of fifty six points. He's feeling it. Now I'm gonna tell put you the big body on it. But this is why it was also a failure, you know, because that dude. Went 10 for 23 from the free throw line. That's why I call him Giannis can't hit the free throw. And then not only then on top of that, and I love Giannis, but on top of that, what pissed me off about Giannis, and I know that everybody has a different personality. I know that he's more of a, like, he speaks, but he's still quiet. So I know he doesn't have the Kobe personality in some ways. But what made me upset was when they asked him, like, you know, did you want to guard Jimmy Butler or whatever? And he was like, yeah, you know, I wish I could have. It's like, you can. You're the star of the team. Say, bud, I'm going to go guard Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but even with Jimmy Butler scoring those points, it's the same. It's the same philosophy you and I have talked about with other, you know, players where they have four guys that generally can't create their own shot on the floor at the same time. Right. Duncan Robinson's not creating his own shot. Right. Bam out of body is not really creating the shot that you would be concerned with. He might get the ball down low. Maybe he bangs around, but he's not, he's not getting the ball off. He's not calling for a pick. You know, he's not running a pick and roll through him. Right. Uh, Vincent Strauss, even Kevin Love, most of these guys are dependent on the ball, moving around, moving through the offense. Kyle Lowry can, can create his own shot, but he's not a volume scorer to the point where he's going to take eight shots in a quarter, probably ever. Right. He might come off some screens. He might go two or three possessions where if he hits one, maybe gets fouled and he comes out and he'll shoot another one. Like, but more than two or three possessions in a row, Kyle Lowry's probably not gonna take those shots. So Jimmy Butler getting 52, they still were up double digits in the fourth. It just was like other guys just started making shots. And then they didn't they didn't have they didn't use their timeouts wisely. You know, I, I just well, think well, this, that well, this when, when it thing. came down so, to it, they just ex- they didn't execute the, the the when they when the lead went from sixteen to eight timeout regroup, put Giannis on Jimmy, double well, we, Jimmy. Well, something. we were well, we were talking about Trey Young, 
you know, when we were talking about um, game six, Boston and Atlanta, and you asked me, like, is Boston just going to, like, let Trey shoot and, like, you know, just stop everybody else? I get that, right? That's how most teams play playoff basketball. You know, we talked about this. You want Chris Paul to score 25 or you want LeBron to score 30 or whatever. We talked about that. But I think my thing about it is where I have a problem with it is, like, you still try to stop the person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Trey Young might take 30 shots, but you're still defending him. You're not just saying, all right, Trey, get, shoot that open three. You're still defending him. So so where they lost me with the Jimmy Butler thing was that they never switched anything. And I get it. J Drew Holiday is like the all-world defender and all that. He's also significantly smaller than Jimmy Butler, too. But I figure you would at least switch. Like, like you know, when the Knicks played uh, Michael Jordan back in the 90s, they did a lot of dumb shit. Like, they were like, yo, we going to put John Starks on you. Nah, you know what? We going to put Anthony Mason on you. Like, that was the dumbest of all. But the, rest in peace, Anthony Mason. But the point is, is that, like, they were switching coverages. They were switching the personnel or who was defending. But Milwaukee never did that. So when Miami started hitting those shots to get back into the game and consequently end up taking the lead, at some point, you just got to switch up what you're doing. Yeah, the, ex the execution was, uh, it, was it wasn't it was championship level. but. We had, we just we did see this team a couple years ago win an NBA championship. So it's not as if there's a disconnect from success to the mountaintop. Yeah, I think this year just compounded. I'm not sure what the uh, the adverse effect of Budenholzer losing a family member right during the right. playoffs. I don't know if it's a matter of Giannis being hurt. I don't know if they maybe they didn't have rhythm coming into the playoffs. I mean, it's a lot of factors that come that are involved right. in a team success. Right. But like I said, I don't think it's a failure. I just think that they came up on the thing you need in the NBA or any any top sport. The Chiefs win football games because of not saying solely because of this, but they have a top quarterback and they have a head coach. And the scheme matches the personality and the talents of the coach and the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Spo has a very he's one he's the only coach. I know we're gonna, we're gonna talk about LeBron, but he's the only other coach for LeBron. Don't say anything. I know you're like 36 out of me. He's the only other LeBron coach team that went back to the NBA finals without LeBron being on his team. Okay, you know, but uh, yeah. So, oh, oh, yeah. You see oh. it. You saw it. I didn't. I didn't see what happened. The, the nut punch. Yeah, well, that's what happened. P I yeah, PJ, PJ. Well, at first, when I first paused, I thought it was his knee. The way he was like, the way he went down. Yeah. You know? But but on the replay, like Tucker. You know, got him, got him coming down the court. You know, oh, and, did, he, yeah, did he do? I don't, oh. I don't think it was on purpose, but I don't know. But Marcus Smart, you know, in 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 our flopper, Joel Embiid is in the middle of the scrum. You know, with like, his gorgeous Balenciaga hoodie. Yeah, but you know, but you know, this is what I took away from the first round because if you know one thing about me, you know I'm going to give you numbers. So this is what I took away from the first round. The numbers. This is in order: 104, 80. 63 and 48. So what are those numbers? Those are the number of shot attempts by the Cleveland Cavaliers in order 
Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, and then Evan Mobley. You know, so I mentioned the other day, I felt that they got to give Mobley some touches, even if he doesn't shoot the ball, even if he doesn't score. You just got to have an inside threat that the defense has to at least consider. You know, and I know we got into this whole 3 and D era of basketball, but a lot of ways that you get good three-point shots is by throwing it inside and then kicking it back out. You know, so my takeaway is, is Cleveland trying to do Lillard and McCollum all over again? Like, I don't even, like, I don't understand. That, like, so their coach, I like their coach. You know what I mean? But I, I just couldn't figure out what they were trying to do. So, is so Donovan Mitchell, remember, remember the argument people used to have about Dirk? Yeah. Like, Dirk can be the best number two on your team, but he can't be the number one. And this was the argument before they, they went right, to beat right, Miami right, in the right, finals. Right, right, right. And I remember hearing that thinking, like, that's not a bad philosophy where you have a guy who's a, a great player but they might have to be your second best player in the team like Trey Young might have to be I mean he's a, he's a, you know he's a top player top 10 top 15 player yeah in the league. yeah but it might be a situation that Kyrie seems to always kind of find himself in and I think it has such a negative connotation but Kyrie was better suited being a dominant number two mm-hmm. to an all-time number one, because what he what he what he presents as a person that skill-wise is still on par with those guys. He just he lacks he lacks the he doesn't have a physical advantage to make him the right. number one guy. Right. Dirk wasn't very agile. He could right. score. Right. I mean he can he can score 30 with the lights out in the gym. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't he wasn't putting that much pressure on your defense to the point where like Golden State Warriors number one eight C beat them because it's like you have all the skills for you to be great, but you don't have a like you're missing something that makes your greatness imprint on other people the mm-hmm. way KD has it. Devin Booker is a prime example of that. He. Can if he led your team, Phoenix to go thirty and fifty-two probably a lot of times thirty-five and forty-seven. Mm-hmm. Great, good player, but you need a like you need a guy like Katie. I think Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are prime examples of how it can work. Tatum, for all his purposes, is a little bit more skilled than Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown, what he provides. Is so organic to him, and it still like can allow Boston to dominate a game without either one of them losing anything. Right. Donovan Mitchell might need to be the second fiddle to a star player. Yeah, like I think that like he's going to become my new. You know, we always talk about Harden and how you know he he come he doesn't necessarily come up big in the big moments like he's obviously coming up big tonight but in general like i think Mitchell might be that next player you know because like i don't cuz i don't think Harden was ever as good as like you know the very very best players in the league you I know think like, so. like i think, I think he was. was up there i think he was up there but i don't think he was quite because cuz cuz a lot of his game was predicated on manipulation and getting to the free throw line I would I would put Harden up there, but I, also I'd put Harden that same. You still he couldn't Harden 
Hard needed Chris Paul because Chris Paul would be more important and necessarily mm-hmm. better, mm-hmm. but like the more important player. I think the Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, I don't know how that didn't work. I don't know how that fell apart. They just gave up on it too early. Yeah, so that's like, I don't know how they didn't say, I think we can make this the new Stockton Malone situation. Right, right. I think that would have worked somehow that that didn't work out. But yeah, they had, they had Michael Finley Stoudem- too. Stoudemire and Nash. You know, nah. you had Kobe Powell Gasol. Powell, I mean, Grant, we knew he was dope when uh, Jerry West gave him that layup trade deal that the Lakers seem to get every year when they needed college boy. But sometimes, like, Donovan Mitchell might need – I mean, he might have been – I don't know if Utah was just like, uh, we don't want to give him what he wants. But he could have been in New York, and I think him and Julius Randle could have been two 90s that get you your A average. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you got a, a 97 and an 87, and you still get your A average. I think the two of them could have been 90s together, and it could have worked. I could see that. But that, but that's that's I think that's the Donovan Mitchell problem is that he has the – he has the outbursts and talent to, to look like a number one guy, but he might be more, he might be more CJ McCollum than Dame Lillard. And you know, like, I really like, um, there's a lot about me. There's a slide on CJ. I'll let you boy. I know you do there's, a podcast too. There's a lot on, uh, a lot that Memphis has that I like. Um, one of those pieces that I really, really like is Desmond Bain. You know, um, I think that he has unlimited potential. Like, I think he needs to, you know, be a little more consistent with his handle, you know, and be more consistently aggressive, you know. But when I look at Memphis, I was thinking to myself, like, they're missing the go-getter because Ja can go get you some points or, you know, but I don't know if Ja can get you those high leverage moment buckets where, you, you know, you, you have your playoff duels from time to time, you know, like your AI Vince Carter type deal. He yeah. has to stop trying to dunk on people. Well, that's because he's going to break his damn leg, you know. He's going to break his neck. You know, but, but, but like when I look at Desmond Bain, like I was thinking to myself, he could be Jaws Clay, except for Jaws, not Steph. You know, that's the problem. You know, and I like Jaron Jackson. You know, but I also feel like Jaron Jackson just leaves a lot out there. He averaged 18 and 8 in this series, but I felt like he played way below the level that I thought of him as. Because he couldn't handle AD. It's it like if we like I said, we 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 talk about we talk about these sports because we're we've been fans our whole life, you know, almost 42 years old. We've been fans of the sport. But if we really think about it, I stormed the field at a Utah football game. And I remember standing behind Zane Beatles. He ended up getting drafted by the the Denver Broncos. Uh-huh. And I'm 5'9. And I remember looking up at this human being with these shoulder pads on. Just like, yo, this is a massive human being. Well, AD is three, four more inches taller than Zane Beatles and probably right, runs right. around 250 himself. Jaron Jackson was just working. His heart out trying to defend AD, and yeah. everything was going through AD. The refs swallowed the whistle for at least a quarter for each team, 
in this entire like at least once this entire series it was like a lot of it was a couple of times where i saw lebron and ad just slapping the hell out of jaren jackson's arms and elbows the balls go flying ad gets the rebound fast break austin reeves and somebody shooting open three in the corner when D'Lo dropped like 31 in game six is like yeah i know they i'm like i was like that's a foul in the other game and i've seen a lot of times like that but i think steven you know steven adams uh any other guy brandon clark Luke, brandon clark mm-hmm. i think if they're if they're available now ad has to exhaust himself mm-hmm. and who you bring in to spell ad if they're if you're still running adams clark and jackson if you can run all three of them you got to play tristan thompson just mm-hmm. as another six nine six ten big, just to have some fouls, have some just, just to have yeah. some fouls, just just yeah. to give AD a break. Do you play LeBron at the four more if they have Clark on the floor mm-hmm. and try to get him to take Clark off the dribble? And that Clark is, but so I think I think Memphis is a healthy Memphis team should be your number one seed in the West next year. All right, so quick question, quick question before I switch real quick. So going forward. Memphis or Sacramento? I'm gonna take Memphis because okay. I I just I take big, I take big over jump shooter. Okay, I can live with that. And right now, real quick, you know, uh, just like that, Brick City with the two goals, you know, so two zero over the Rangers. But yeah, so so I was thinking Sacramento because I think that. And your argument makes sense, like, you know, having the bigs and having the rebounding and all that stuff, you know. But I think Sacramento has – well, I think both teams have a – I think both teams have a really good coach. You know, I think that, you know, I would take De'Aaron Fox over John Morant, you know, just me. You know, um, I think Malik Monk – even though he may not be better per se than Desmond Bain, I think he has the personality that I want Bain to have, you know, um, even though Bain might be the better player, you know, where Sacramento loses me is Sabonis because he runs into the Joker problem or the Rudy Gobert problem is that in these playoff series, you can pick on him. He should have just shot the jump He should have just shot it. From the free throw. He even made a couple. I watched... I watched, I was yelling at the TV, my bad to cut you off, but it just it's all was infuriating me. You, when we were texting yesterday, you were like, okay, y'all gonna keep leaving some bonus open. I'm like, yo, I've been telling you to shoot that shot because, like I said, I watch the games on mute so I can just kind of watch the game and not be influenced by whatever they have to say and formulate my own opinion. Right, right. So, right. me and you were talking, I put the game on. And I think within a minute of you and I texting, Sacramento gets the ball. Sabonis is standing 18 feet from the hoop, looking with the ball in his hand, looking for someone to to, to do a a dribble, like a screen handoff. They've been sending him. I'm like, yo, just turn and take two dribbles and shoot the 14 footer. They gave you. They gave him like seven or eight feet, but any did it. I think from the time that you and I text, I watched him do it four or five times where he was just literally standing in the circle behind the free throw line. And I get whatever the play is called. 
you call it Ohio, you can call it Chattanooga, whatever you call this play, Mike Brown in the huddle. But it's like, yo, coach, they sagged off me. They were eight feet from the hoop. I'm 18. I'm two dribbles in and I'm shooting. I'm shooting the free throw with pretty much that amount of time because he still Mm could have done the dribble handoff if he because he I saw him one time he had the ball at the top of the key outside the three point range. Yeah, he shot the three. I'm like, take two dribbles, get to 15 feet, and you can still do the you can still do the handoff, or you can shoot. The, I'm just, it just blows my mind. But my I'm bad. surprised. Like, I'm surprised. On. I'm surprised that they didn't play Alex Lynn a little more. You know, but um, but you know, I just think I just think that Sacramento, they, like Memphis, I think is a bunch of overachievers. Like they have a lot of players that are good, but they overachieve somewhat. You know, I think Sacramento is actually good, you know, but I mean, we'll see going forward. But real quick, with that being said, you know, we talked about this, you know, earlier. So for the people, you know, I guess we'll start it off with Warriors and Lakers because, you know, that's the one everybody cares about anyway. So who you got? I was, I was going to let you run it down. All right. Well, I picked the, the Grizzlies in round one because I didn't think. I just I just thought that they would just win. I, I did I like the Lakers. <laughs> I thought they would win. Um it's not it's like I said, it's not a it's not a knock on the Lakers. Right, 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 right. This series <laughs> some somebody in seven. Uh <laughs> I think the I think the Warriors still have their road woes. And I think, I mean, it, it can't. <laughs> I mean, either way, you're looking at, you're looking at Steph back in the Western Conference Finals, and everyone was like, thought everyone had them written off. They had the the Warriors buried when he broke his hand post post COVID, like that first year, like right, like right. the seventh or eighth game, he missed a bunch of games, and they were in the play in. And then LeBron hit that long three in a playing game. People basically buried them. I was like, oh, they're done. And then they come back and win a championship. Oh, no. Then they had another regular year, right? No, that was the year that Milwaukee won it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then Milwaukee wins it. They come back last year and they won it. And it's like, all right, okay. But now they're in a position where they legitimately can be back in the Western Conference Finals against Phoenix or Denver. And it's like... They can they can get back to the finals with their lineup versus any of these the three remaining teams. But then you look at the Lakers and you're like, all right, they got LeBron, who played a lot of minutes in the Memphis series, but he played a lot of standing around too. LeBron was standing around, conserving his energy. He did get tired in game five, but he knew he had he the team had a lead and they were going back to LA and they beat him by 40. And it's like, can you get are you gonna get LeBron and AD back in the Western Conference? I mean, it's just I can't honestly I can't make my mind up because they both have legends, they both have great um stars. You know, you have legends and Steph Curry, then you got the star and Clay Thompson. They both have an identity through one of their players, Draymond being the identity of the Golden State Warriors, LeBron being the identity and the legend of the Lakers, 
AD being the star, Austin Reeves just being able to just – I think the Austin Reeves-Jordan Poole matchup is going to just get Jordan Poole fouled out because I think he's a little reckless. Can Rui – who does Wiggins guard? I mean, it's just – I'm going to say somebody in seven, and then we'll – after game two, I gave you my actual prediction. Right. No, I'm not, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go Lakers. I'm going to say Lakers in seven. I'm going to say Lakers in seven. I don't even know why you built up all that drama. No, I knew no, you were going to pick like, the Lakers anyway. Because honestly, like, honestly, I really, I just feel like, you know what? Who has enough players for their team to be an X factor? Because Steph is going to be outstanding. I think AD is going to do well. Because I don't know if you can match him with Draymond. For too long without Looney on the floor. And right. if you have Draymond and Looney on the floor, how do you score? So I think it's only going to be one or the other. All right. So I think I think he could eat in those matchups. And then I just think I think the Lakers have more players that can just D-Lo. Like I was ready to pinch him until he hit them three threes in the game when they were down nine. <coughs> so right. I put him in the group. <laughs> so real quick, you know, Philadelphia is up one thirteen to one twelve with twenty eight point nine left. So you serious? When I started yeah. talking, the score was one eleven one oh seven. Yeah, so we'll see what happens here for the final twenty eight point nine. Boston's going to inbound. So I got Warriors in seven. You know, I'm picking six. You know, I'm just, I'm just giving them seven out of respect for LeBron. I'm giving them seven because if the refs got a chance to get it to seven, they will. You know, but this is the series where we figure out we know what Steph is, we know what Clay is, we know what Draymond brings to the table, we know what Looney brings to the table. This is the series where we find out about Golden State's young core, you know, turnover source pool, you know, Looney, or I'm sorry, not Looney, um, Kaminga, because he didn't play much against Sacramento. He didn't play at all. Yeah, I watched but, but, all those games. I don't see double but zero, I th- right? Yeah, but I think but That's I think how many he, minutes he played. <laughs> but I think he might have to play this series, you know, um, just to have another body, depending on if LeBron's having one of those games, maybe he's a body you toss at LeBron or something. You know, um, I think that uh, Moody. Not if he doesn't weigh 230. I think, I think Moody is going to be, you know, potentially important in this series. But I think the key to the series is Wiggins because he's got those seven games under his legs now. So theoretically, he's in better shape now. You know, um, his defense is going to be important. And he's got to hit the three-point shots because he's probably the one that they're going to leave open. I feel a little more confident about my Lakers pick. You know what I'm saying? I know you are, but that's just because your team LeBron and all that. But No, I know, picked against them. You know what I'm saying? Literally, I picked against them. I picked against them, and I told you I thought they were going to blow the lead. Which is funny because which is funny because I was the one that picked the Lakers, you know, like it's so weird. But anyway, but um, but but I think that what you're talking about is my issue because th- this is what D'Angelo Russell does. You know, he has these moments like this, oh, and then he disappears again. It's like you're at the restaurant, you order the steak, and it comes out the kitchen, you think it's yours. You yeah, get, you just get excited, and it's like that's oh, not it. Yeah, but when he so, hit those three threes, I was like, okay. But like I said, I was ready to bench him. Like I text you, like cause me and Mike. But, but, but I time. think, but I think at that but point, I text you ready to bench him before. But the I, freeze. but I think at that point, like, so I was listening to Vinny Goodwill today. You know, um, his his I'm new show. Pulling something up. You know, his new show, Ball Don't Lie, and 
he was talking about how everybody calls Steph a front runner. But what he thinks it is, is that Steph, Steph knows when the other team is wobbly, you know, and then he goes to demoralize them. And, and he said the same thing kind of about LeBron, where like LeBron just has this sense. And I think that's where, where they were with Memphis. Like they had this sense of like, you know, Dylan Brooks wasn't talking anymore. There was the one like clip that I saw where he got blocked by AD, but he was still trying to flex until he saw AD and LeBron standing there. And then he kind of turned away. You know what I mean? So, so I think like those little body gestures, those nonverbal, you know, cues gave the Lakers like those moments of like, oh yeah, no Moss, they're done, you know? And they're not going to get that from the Warriors though. Like, you know, and of course, like, the Lakers, I think, to beat the Warriors are going to have to shoot at a way better clip than they're usually capable of shooting at. You know, because, real quick, real quick. Yeah, what you think of Memphis pulling the starters with seven thirty nine left in the fourth quarter? I think that Memphis is garbage for that. Okay, you know, I, what I, I think, I think, I think Memphis. Because I was watching the game and I looked up and I was like, it was like eight minutes left. They threw in the they threw in the white towel. That's what they did, you know. And like, and th- and that's what I don't expect from people like Ja Morant. Like, not that he's the coach or anything like that, but you know what I mean. He said he was going to take it on the chin. You know, I'm good in the West. You know, I got to take what comes with that. So you know what I mean. You play that out. You play that out. You just you play for at least I say you stay in the game until three minutes or left, unless you're still down 40 or whatever. And here we go. Philadelphia with the 119-115 win in the TD Bank Garden on the parquet. You know, how about that? You know, which which we'll get to that in a second, but my pick was Boston in five, but we'll get to that in a second. But uh <laughs> but 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 you know, but but I just think that. You know, so the Lakers, what I think they have to do for long periods of time, they have to put Vanderbilt and have him chase Steph around because he's got the energy to do it. You know, so I think that's going to be a strategy that the Lakers try to do. You maybe know, they but, go big and put Rui on them. Maybe, and but but the real but but outside of Wiggins, what is Clay? You know, is he the dude that we saw while Steph was out? Is he this dude? against Sacramento that started to half one for 10, you know, yesterday, like, you know, what is clay, you know, and he and dropped I, like 11 in the third quarter. And that's why I think the Warriors win this series because, you know, no matter when the Lakers have their lead or whenever, like one of them is playing bad, you know, it's going to reverse at some point, you know, um, AD should be able to do well against the Warriors. I think, cause he's probably too quick for Looney too big for Draymond. So, you know, so AD should do, but that's my other problem. AD has these games where he just decides not to show up. Yeah, but in those games, he's still like the the game they won when LeBron hit the so game four to put him up three one. He had seven points at the end of regulation. Right, he got five in overtime. Right, he had eleven to twelve rebounds. Obviously, maybe two or three assists, not crazy, but he had four blocks, and he was harassing Memphis every time they came to the rim. I don't remember another big that the Lakers played this entire series, the whole no. six games. No. I don't think they played another guy over 6'10". I don't think they did, you know, but but AD has to take advantage of these matchups, you know, because, like I said, he should be able to dominate the Warriors, for lack of better words. You yeah, know what like I mean? Like I said, because if you put Draymond in, like, we're at, you know, about 10 minutes, in, if you put Draymond on him, 
Draymond is a crafty defender, old right. school. But if AD, if AD's turning left shoulder, right shoulder, and hitting the fadeaway, then Draymond's gonna have to switch it up. He just has to know that all right, they're playing me a certain way. Let me just focus and knock these shots down. Because right. Draymond can't defend the jump shot. He's right. only six six, six seven. So he can't defend the jump shot. What he can defend is you out of rhythm trying to body him because Mm -hmm. whatever his weight is, he's probably pound for pound just as strong as AD. So AD might be able to, you know, throw the seven foot 250 around 260, whatever his number is. But Draymond at 6'6, 6'7, 225, 230, he can handle that and he's crafty and he knows how to get, you know, players discombobulated. So if AD can just hit the that eight foot turnaround, if he if he knocks that down three out of five times in the first first quarter, you got to get him eight shots in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Just get him eight shots, right? Get him oh. eight shots, and he'll get out of those eight shots. He'll get maybe get him four free throws. Like you just got to put the onus like yo, game one, we need you coming out aggressive. LeBron is. LeBron's going to come up and just feel like I'm going to shoot this three just to see if I got it. Yeah. So I don't think you need to run anything for him because he's, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't think I've, I think this is the first time I've ever seen him shoot like 19% from three. <laughs> Yo, he was not. And I think what he, I think what the Lakers have is you had Rui game one and Austin Rivers talking about I'm him. D-Lo wins. Yeah. Oh, Austin Reeves, my bad. <laughs> he's not, he's a little bit less light skinned than him. But in LeBron, I think he, he conserved a lot of energy. He got timely rest. Yeah. yeah so, so what I, I put I in my he note, might be good to go. Yeah. What I put in my note was we might see vintage LeBron. This might be his last hurrah, if you will, you know. Um, but the reason I wanted to preview that series first and go to the West is because we got the Suns and the Nuggets coming up game two about to start here in about five minutes. And before I even get to there, stand up Brick City with the two-nothing lead at the end of the second inter- the end of the second period. So one period to finish off the New Yorkers, you know. But anyway, um I got I got nuggets in six and I think I'm being generous by giving the Suns two. What say you? This is gonna be the the argument versus trade deadline moves and a team that's been put together for a couple of years move. I watched Denver operate and execute the pick and roll flawlessly, almost to the point where it was like, it was like they were making subconscious passes when Murray had the ball top of the key pick and roll Jokic slide into the hoop, layup. When Jokic sees Jamal Murray's on one, he just gives him the ball. He gives him like a little brush screen and just like and says, go for it. And I think everybody on the floor knows that. They were talking about this. Uh, Chris Broussard and Rob Parker talked about the Phoenix Suns and KD in the first round of those games against the Clippers. And I think Nick, you know, Nick Wright on first things first said the same thing. There was quarters where fourth quarters where KD didn't get a shot. 
in the last seven, eight, or nine minutes. Yeah, I brought that up. It's I a brought that up. That was, quarter, yeah. Yeah, that was game one of the Clippers series. He uh, did it he, a couple of times. They yeah, did it a couple of times where he just didn't get any shots. It was like, did he not get any shots because he's he just he can just slim reaper, he can just fit it anywhere and score, or because they don't know. They don't know, okay, KD right now needs the ball. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jokic in the overtime, double overtime game with Minnesota and Jamal Murray was going bananas and Anthony Edwards was going bananas. Yoke was like, listen, I'm a back-to-back MVP. I'm probably about to win my third one. Um, but Jamal's cooking right now. Mm-hmm. So he gave him the ball, set the screen, got it away. Aaron Gordon knows. Like Aaron Gordon's bringing the ball up. Mm-hmm. So Jokic just jogged down this little, you know, Serbian jog, get to a spot. Aaron Gordon brings the ball up. Vintage James Harden. Yeah. Aaron Gordon career, brings the ball up. James Harden with the career high 45 points in the playoffs. Tatum with 39 and 11. This this could be trouble. Well, I with, think if Embiid comes back, I, I think that takes away Harden shots. Uh but yeah, so I don't want to. I want to give Phoenix a shot, but you might. You, I think you have the numbers on this. The starters play way too many minutes, so I'm gonna go with chemistry over trade deadline creativity, and I'll take I'll take Denver in six. Yeah. So about those numbers against the Clippers. KD averaged 44 minutes per game. Booker averaged 43. Chris Paul averaged 38 and a half. You know, he's so 38 and a half years old. Yeah, and he's 38 and a half years old. So, you know, <laughs> so so that's where I feel like they're gonna get in trouble in trouble in this series, you know, especially, you know, like while maybe the games in Denver, the altitude and all that, I don't know how much that plays a factor once you're this deep into your career as Kevin Durant is, but I imagine. It's still that game one had some effect. You remember because we, me and you, we were from Utah to Colorado, and we was out there doing PT in August on the Astro turf, doing push-ups and the the rubber burn. Yeah, it's a lot, and that was only like what I 11, felt like somebody. I felt like somebody feet. put a torch to my throat and my chest. Yeah, and we were living at five thousand feet. We were walking yeah. around at five thousand feet for years in Utah. Me and Mike, we go to school for six weeks in Colorado. I'm out there dying in August on this track. And it was like 6,200 feet and at Peterson Air Force Base. Shout out space yeah. time. So, so space you know, it's, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things where I feel like, you know, they don't use enough bench, you know, cause that's already going to be an issue and they don't use their bench. Like I would like to see Shamit get some minutes, maybe throw up four or five threes. You know what I mean? Like uh, you got, you know, um, campaign, you know, he, he came in the other night at the end of the game during the garbage time. And for a second, I forgot he was even on the Suns. So, you know, I'm not they saying say he's that- working back from injury, but you like Monty Williams. I think what you have to do, you, you have to sit down and be like, all right, you have, you have two prolific scores. One guy can score from anywhere. And Devin Booker is just probably one of the most confident people with the basketball in his hand in the NBA, killing the mid-range game. Right. Like, you got to figure out a way to work each one of these guys with the second unit to the point where Denver's second, first and second defenders can't come off the floor. Well, well Aiton also needs 
I need to see more effort from him. You know, I, I'm sure you saw the play where your sons were fighting with Joker over the rebounds and he was just standing out of bounds watching it happen and all that kind of stuff. Like he just seems like either he just gets lost at times or he just doesn't. Yo, he don't want to be in Phoenix. Yeah, he just doesn't want to be there. And, and he don't you know, be there. And, and I also want to let sad. people know. And, and I also want to let people know that Michael Porter Jr. is a better defender than people give him credit for because I hear the knock on him about his defense. I think he's slightly better than people give him credit for. He's about you six know, eleven, right? He measures a six eleven, somewhere around there, six ten ish. You know, like yeah. he's he's definitely not a shot blocker. That 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 length and that size because he's he's not he's not a thick guy. He's like a right, right guy. So that just using your length, your length and effort. That's all defense is. Right. Like, I'm not an athletic guy, but I have super long arms. Like, I have size 12 feet, so, like, my arms are super long. If people don't know your your foot length from your elbow to your wrist, that's the length of your arm. You so, can go ahead and put your feet on your arm right now. So, I have super long arms. So, that was my thing. It was like, I'm not very athletic, but I would just use my arms. I use this whatever wingspan you have, and I think that that works out well for Denver. See, I just think Denver's a more complete team. And, and see, and this is where, and this is where I think the numbers come back to bite Phoenix because Jamal Murray theoretically can go point for point with Durant or Booker, you know, on any given know, night. Yeah, on a, on a given night. I don't know if Denver has that second person who can match the other one if both of them like. So the other night, it was just a team effort. But in a tight game where Durant and Booker have it going, can you brought it up? Can can Jokic score enough in a situation to? But that's where the minutes come in. You know what I mean? Because yeah. eventually those legs are going to go out. They're going to be tired, especially these games at Denver. You Play can off. run Jokic with the second unit though, right? And and, and play, that's going to be that's going to be the and way to go. He can get six assists with the second unit, and and you know and play still off. get twenty one points because Aiton is not going to defend them because Aiton doesn't care. Yeah, and playoff Murray is real. You know what I mean. You know, but you know, I just, I just think that Phoenix. I just think that they just gotta trust their bench. Like you're gonna have to let the bench in for a few minutes, even if Denver goes on an 8-0 run. You just need like a few minutes where Durant can sip some water or something before you. And like you were saying, like we were talking about this in the pre-meeting. You know, like watching the Heat back in the day, you would have LeBron on the floor with. You know, Joel Anthony and Norris Cole and some other people that weren't Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch. And then you could bring one of those other two in. Then you take Braun out and you got those two in with the rest of the team. I need to see Monty Williams do some rotational stuff like that to give Phoenix the best chance. Yeah, you 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 can run you can run campaign Devin Booker, Aiton, and two bench players as your second unit, and then come back. With KD, Chris Paul, Biombo, Tory Craig, and what's the number eleven? Like the the the. the oh yeah, guy, yeah, name. I know you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you you can put and that's, <laughs> that's and I mean if you think about the talent, that second unit will the a second unit with Booker and Aiton and three other players is a starting unit. In eight, eight or twelve NBA teams. Yeah, and let them let right them trap Chris Paul. Let them trap Booker and get some people some open shots. Easy. No, oh, they're so and they're the right point. starting off the game. See, there's Aiton with a block on Jokic. So there you go. Uh, so yeah, I got Denver in six. So like I mentioned, 
I got I had Boston in five, but that's just me going off of Embiid's injury being worse than anybody's telling us. Because you know, originally they said LCL, then they said, oh, this is a significant injury, and then you know, with all the time they had off between Brooklyn and this game one tonight, and he still couldn't go. You know, like there might be something going on here. Yeah, and then James Harden gets forty-five. There you go. You know what I mean? But I think, but you know, but it's the same thing, right? Like if you're Boston, you have more than enough people to switch defense on him, you know, or you know, just different type of defense. Defense was 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 not available tonight in the first half of the <laughs> Celtics. They were shooting. I think. Boston was shooting 70% from the floor. Philly was shooting like 60-something and 50% from three yeah. in the first half. Yeah, and see, this was the one thing that I was scared of because, you know, like I said, I picked Boston to go to the finals and win the finals this year, but that was the one thing that I was scared of is, like, a lot of times when the camera pans in on Missoula, he looks like Shaq in the fool. You know what I mean? Like, he never has that look of, like, I know, I know I'm being like, you know, all like he never has that look of a general. Like he never has that look of like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. We got this. Whereas like when you saw Ime like on, on the sideline at times, like he might even just give him a look. But and you, Ime was a big dude too. That too. Ime, that he too. was in the league. I think he was like six three, six four. He's like, he's like a big, like more of a, like this, this other guy looks like an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> like he just he doesn't look like that that physically you know pressing individual i think and to, and to be fair about the way has that big general look he had the gray hair a little cut the big body and to be fair also, to be fair and to be truthful here udoka is six six you so know what he, i mean in a huddle he's eye to eye with his star players right right you know so it just it just kind of gives that that extra level of like command that you know that, that frame that frame and and you know and in, in the you know in the space and, and see without Embiid there you know Boston should be able to get to the bucket like I saw you know tonight in the first half they scored forty points in the paint in the first half which was like their record for the season this year so you know so that that stuff will be available to them I just think that Boston I, I don't think they stick to what they do you know what I mean like some like because you have these nights where like Tatum and Brown just like it, for as good as they are, and as much as we they love, six, they got them sixty-two points. Well, well, well I mean, but but as but as but as 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 much as we love the construction of the team, you know, sometimes in the playoffs they don't seem to have good games at the same time a lot. Well, they got you sixty-two points tonight. That don't mean it was good. They just got you points. You know what I mean? Like a, you know, Jalen Brown doesn't take a lot of shots. Right. He's not a volume shooter. Tatum right. is the guy that tends to take more of your shots. I think it's just a matter of one. NBA is one of the the few sports, aside from maybe soccer, where you still need to, like, you know, or football, you need a good goaltender. But the NBA, it just has some nights where one guy is just on. Mm-hmm. Tonight it was in a close game. James Harden got you 45 points. They scored yeah. 119 points. He got you 45 yeah. of them. And Maxi got 26. Last, last night, Steph dropped 50 out of the 120. You know, mm-hmm. so like sometimes in the NBA, it could be one of those nights where a guy just gets you points. Right. Like 
people don't realize, like, if you think about this, the night that Kobe scored 81 against the Raptors, I think they won by eight. <laughs> yeah, because they, well, they were down, like, 15 when he started. Even Okay, in his last game, when he dropped 60, he had 40-something when they were down <laughs> by, like, 12 in the fourth quarter and had to get all these points. So sometimes it's just NBA games. I don't know if this is sustainable for Philly because uh-huh. – when it gets tight, another group of refs come in because I don't think they keep the same refs. But right, I think that was just so you get another group of refs in where, all right, that foul on how Horford gets called because you have Tobias Harris undersized trying to defend him. Uh huh. You know, Maxi gets switched on to Tatum, and they they call that reaching foul. You know, so and they're they're still at home for game two. You win game two, you go back to Philly. If if Embiid isn't healthy by game three, and if he's working his way back, that's a big body to work the way back as we transition to right. the Boston Philly prediction. Right. Uh, that's a big body to work back in. Even though he's so dynamic, it just feels like sometimes it's like by accident. It just doesn't feel purposeful. Mm-hmm. You know, it just feels like sometimes in B, I know a lot of people have him as an MVP, but it just feels like, is he really dominating the game or is he just taking the most shots? Is he really affecting the game that much or is it just a matter of they're just giving him the ball a lot? And I know that that might sound silly, but it just, the way certain guys, when certain guys get 50, it just feels like, the 50 is predicated on them. Steph last night, it looked like the game went through him. Everybody Dude, else was playing terrible. His 50 felt like 60. <laughs> his 50 felt like, oh, we needed every one of these points. Yeah. They still won by 20. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it just felt like they needed the 50. I don't know if Embiid's – this this sounds ridiculous. We always make these, these talk when we talk about pundits. It's like, it's like it just doesn't feel like – well, no, because I kind of just like when he, if he give if he gave you fifty, is it an efficient fifty? Is everybody involved fifty? Because he's not a big assist guy. No, I, I get what you're saying because that's kind of how I look at Devin Booker. You know, because Devin Booker, you know, you know, he's the new Kobe, and you know, all that good stuff. He'll go and, nineteen for thirty-seven to get you fifty with four assists. Yeah, and you still might lose by six or seven. You know what I mean? 118, like, 112. They lost the 71 point or whatever it was he had. Like you, the, the Boston game when he dropped 70. Yeah. yeah they lost. Yeah. That. They lost by like 10. But double digits. You know, yeah. So, so you know, so that's what I mean. Like Devin Booker, because I'm not on the Devin Booker train. You know, I like Devin Booker. It's like Booker. Zach Levine get you 50 points. Yeah, exactly. Like he's better than Zach Levine. But yeah, it's the same type thing. Like I know Devin Booker. I know I'm supposed to say all the good things because he went to Kentucky and everything like that. But no, but that's how I look at him. I look at him as like, you score, but what else do you do? Because he was the main if one. If Luka gets you 50, he has 11 assists and 12 right. rebounds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you lost by 16. You know, if Devin Booker, you know, saying gets you 50, he's he just makes stupid faces walking to the locker room. You know, and like that's just that's just how – I don't know. But Like Anthony Edwards getting you 40, 40 or 44 points. It's like J- Jimmy Butler getting you 56 points felt like he got – it felt like all the points that Miami scored were because he was literally Butler. dragging them. He was literally, yeah, and that's what them. it feels like yeah. when he gets his fifty-six. Yeah. And I think with Embiid, it could be a situation where he's just so talented that he can get himself fifty, 
and then the team has to figure out how how do we get sixty five more to win this game. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. oh, sorry, but yeah, that means that means we got Heat Knicks left. You know, so. But we didn't pick. Did you pick? Did you pick Philly? Yeah, yeah. No, I picked Boston in five. Yeah. Boston in five in five. You got to win in four straight now. Well, 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 just like, like I, well, so I had five before I'll the show. I had five before, before we started the show. You know what I mean? So I don't want to come on the show and be like, oh, Philly won tonight. Let me go six now, you know, or whatever. But I mean, if, if it doesn't show up, then yeah, I can see Boston winning four straight. Yeah, I got, I'll take Boston in six because I think Philly, I think Boston wins games two and three. Philly gets game four. Four. Uh-huh. And then Boston finishes them out two straight. Okay. All right. So Knicks in the heat. What what is looking like? A healthy Jimmy Butler with a Michael Jordan sized chip on his shoulder where he just <laughs> now he mad at Tibbs. Like just mad at he mad at Tibbs. Yeah. How many years you've been mad at Tibbs? When was the Minnesota? When was the Minnesota years? How many years ago was that? Oh yeah. By the way, by the way, thank you, Jeff Teague, for sharing that story with us about Jimmy yo, Butler. I, yo, he cut the yo. I didn't know he cut the Timberwolf out of the shirt. He said this was his chest. I, I didn't know he just walked out the gym and went and found Rachel Nichols. <laughs> I heard. Yo, I've been looking up like trying to figure out if that's a real thing or not. But I I heard that story, and it's kind of cool. Like I like. The fact that there's like no video evidence of a lot of these right. old stories. Right. I want right. to shout out all the NBA players, all the NFL players, all the old heads, and everybody that's getting people on TV and on these podcasts to tell these stories. I saw, I heard an interesting one with uh, Paul Pierce and KG had Magic Johnson on the show, and uh, Paul Pierce talk about how they were playing the game the seven. And he defended Magic, and they got the ball and scored. And Magic, no, 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 that's a foul. Bring that back. Like it just, and Magic started laughing. Like he knew he's like, I can't let this young boy beat me. Yeah. Uh, so, like, shout out to all the NBA players. I know. I love. Green, I love Paul my favorite. Pierce. I think my favorite story, even though I wasn't a big Jordan fan, I think my favorite story was him walking into the Hawks locker room and going, "Who's guarding me tonight?" And then when they told him, he was like, "Oh, that's fifty. <laughs> just. Uh, Isaiah Thomas talking about we go get off on a tangent, but like Isaiah Thomas, uh, <laughs> I, I saw one today. He said, Because I heard about this Larry Bird, you yeah, can't, you can't if you don't put a black if you put a white guy on me, it's disrespectful. I've heard that I heard like rumblings of the story and like the out of it, but I saw a clip today. Isaiah Thomas said that uh, they're both from Indiana. He said Larry Bird walked up to him at a half court, they used to call him Cheesy. He's like, Cheesy, who's guarding me tonight? And it was like two white. Two white guys and Bill Lambeer and Steven Jackson. Like, I never heard of two of those guys. And then Isaiah Thomas was like, right? So he said he looked up and Larry Bird was like, so who's guarding me tonight? He was like, oh, we're going to put so-and-so and play so-and-so. And he said Larry Bird looked at him and said, you ain't got no brothers? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I've heard that story a lot. Like, just, yeah. like, bits of it, but it was kind of funny to hear. Yeah. But uh, but the the Jimmy Butler, the this, this – this what he does. Jimmy Butler does what you expected. Carmelo, Kobe, LeBron, T Mac. And what Paul Pierce act like he did. Paul Pierce. <laughs> like, like all like, you know, all these legends. Jimmy Butler does what those guys like the 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 allure 
of them, like the Jordan right. lore. Right. Jimmy Butler, he does it. He, I mean, in the bubble, he exhausts himself. I think if he could have got somebody else to just chip in 20 at any given point, it might have been a seven-game series. Yeah. And it might be different because he was exhausted after those those 45-point triple doubles. Mm-hmm. But I think a, I think a breathing, not even gonna say healthy, a breathing Jimmy <laughs> Butler is gonna take an eight seed to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's not a knock against the Knicks. Right. I'm just like, why am I picking against Jimmy Butler? No, I agree. Um, I got I got Miami in six. You know, I don't know where I keep landing on six, but I got six. You know, but it six just, is a, six is an easy pick because you, know, you don't want to say a sweep or a five. I'm gonna say heat in. No, I'm gonna say six. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> go heat. Friend. Yeah, I'm gonna go, go heat friend. six. Uh, but it just depends. You know, like you said, like is Jimmy Butler gonna be gimpy? You know, like how does that look? You know, when is Julius Randle coming back? How's that gonna look? Because Julius Randle reaggravated the ankle that he hurt at the end of the regular season, and he missed the last three games of the regular season. And then, you know, here we are again. So, you know, if we get Jimmy and Julius Randle healthy, you know, I'm going to keep it heat and six. You know, um, if we get Randle and Butler misses a game or two, then that might switch to Nixon six, you know. So it just depends, you know. But for right now, just for, like, purposes of holding myself accountable, I'm going to go heat and six, you know, and – you know, so we, we'll see how that looks. This is it. You know, uh, the Knicks, uh, Miami cannot win this series with Bam Adebayo playing the way that he did against Milwaukee. And what scares me about Miami in this series is that they shot 50% from three against Milwaukee. That's got to creep back at some point. So, you know, you know, so so maybe that could be the thing. But they started off poorly from three yesterday against the Knicks. Yes. And I went... The score was, I believe it was like 59-50 at some point. Knicks were up. I'm doing some laundry, clean up, get some food together, come back, heat up six. I'm like, what happened? I'm, I'm just happy to see Kevin Love playing meaningful basketball games again. Yo, you know, but yo, do we talk about this? Show me the dudes fouled out in that Milwaukee Miami game and they still won. Yeah, uh, Bam out of bio, Bam fouled out, and Kevin Love, Kevin Love fouled out. out. And still, yeah, and they still won. Like, okay, because Gian, Giannis can't hit the free throw, you know. Yo, but I mean, it was, but but speaking of hits, NFL draft was last week, of course. You know, we came to you with the first round coverage showing that we are the Iron Men that we say we are. So, Four hours, know, no yes. breaks. So Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels move over. Triple H and The Rock move over. MJF and Daniel Bryan move over. We're the Ironmen, you know. But shout out the S Racer chairs because I sat in this thing for four hours <laughs> and didn't get up. But besides the Falcons pissing Raph off by taking B. John Robinson, I've come around on it. <laughs> what I've else does on. what What other thoughts does Raph have about the draft? A uh, couple things. Logistically, I don't like the green room. Yes, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think either they need to limit it. I don't know if you can. I, I just don't like the green room because one thing I was confused about the Will Levis situation because I thought the original blonde girl sitting next to him was his girlfriend. 
And then it cut back, and there's like a, a brunette girl with the curly hair with the red dress. Like, okay, that's his girlfriend. It looked like the other two were his, his sisters and his mom. So that confused me. And they kept straight they out put of the camera in his face. Huh? Like, <laughs> they, put, they put the camera in his face like 27, 37 times, some crazy number. But I like I like what Houston did. I like I like what they did a lot because I remember when it occurs, I like what they did. Um Bijan's coming around on me because he could be, I'm not gonna say he's Adrian Peterson, because that's that's a stretch, but having a, a, a back that can hit the home run the way Dallas had with Zeke his first year with, with Zach. Being able to just make it happen just off the stretch play. Mm-hmm. It's second and 12 because you had a bad first down, but you can come right back on second and 12 and run it to the other, the other direction and get a first down. Atlanta hasn't had that in, a, in forever, probably since Michael Turner. Like the burner back in the day, yeah. So I do, I do like that. I think it works well. I think Cordero Patterson, because he's such a gadget player, I think he's already paid. So if you can limit his touches to fifteen, you might be able to work in the reverse. You might be able to work in the halfback pass. You might be able to get him on a punt return or maybe a kickoff return because it's like you're not going to give it to him seven times on the drive. Because you have Algier and uh, Bijan Robinson. Like I said, I like what the Texans did moving up the 12. I'm so sick of these pundits talking about they gave up so much. No, they didn't. Let's break this down. So they're like, they gave up the number 12 overall pick. No, they didn't. They moved up to three. So they didn't give up 12. They moved up to three. So like that whole argument, it was it was killing me how stupid people were being. And it was like, oh, you gave up a first next year. Yeah, they got Cleveland's first. They got their own first and they got Cleveland's first. So at the minimum, they get one first-round pick, just like every other team gets one first-round pick. So they gave up like a third. And it might not even be theirs because Cleveland gave them a haul. Cleveland is potentially going to put Deshaun Watson is going to do more for the Houston Texans as a Cleveland Brown than he did as a Houston Texan. Him and CJ Stroud have the same agent. So, you know, do that with you if you may. But you get your top quarterback, you get your top defender. Everyone's talking about Philly getting all the Georgia players. That was huge. Atlanta got a player out of Alabama that was a safety at 6'5, 203. And I was like, 6'5, 203. You can put. I mean, NFL staff can probably put 15 pounds, 15, 20 pounds on him. You can bring him in the box. You could do a lot with a guy that's six foot five, especially, if, you know, Alabama, Nick Saban, all of that, you know, SEC legacy. I like what I like what Pittsburgh did. They're super consistent. I like what Baltimore did, signing the deal before the draft, getting Lamar in the books, getting another wide receiver that can run routes. Uh, I like what mm-hmm. who else? Somebody else had a little bit of an effect on me. I like what Tennessee did, grabbing Will Levis in the second round, moving up to do that. I just like the teams that moved up. Granted, a lot of people reached. I think I didn't like the Bears move, getting the offensive lineman 
that early when they could have just probably gotten the best defensive player on the board? Jalen Carter or something? I don't know. No, I think I don't I think was he gone? No, he went to Philly. He went to Philly after Chicago. So I think you could they could have made a better they could have made a better play. Um but ultimately I, I think every like if you look at the, the the grading scale, people talk about Detroit getting the running back in the first round. I'm not I'm not a big proponent of like knocking a team for getting a running back in the first round. But it's like you already had a couple of running backs and you let one go and you straight another one to Philly and you pre- you got a 2025 pick out of it and we're in April 2023. Everybody's grades are crazy high. Like you know everyone's what? got A's and B's. One team got a D, and I'm pretty sure you're you you know what that team is. Who me? Yeah. Uh the Washington Commanders got a D according to sportingnews.com. Is there such thing as a D minus? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it was it was pretty bad. Well, well, I mean, well, Atlanta got a B, but like I said, these these grades, like you can't figure it out for like two or three years. Well, yeah, that's what I was about to say. First of all, I was just going to say I was going to actually start off my answer with "fuck all this." You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> fuck all this. Like I love Detroit's draft. You know what I mean? Like everybody doesn't have to be the same. You know, just like we talked about in the NBA. You don't have to out Golden State, Golden State to win a title or whatever. You know, like you don't have to follow these non-rules. You don't take a running back there. You don't take a wide receiver there. If that's your guy, you take your guy. Yeah, you so, take a guy to fish your team. Yeah, so 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 I love Detroit's move. You know what I mean? Obviously, at the time, we didn't know about DeAndre Swift yet. So I can understand why people were like, what are they doing? But obviously, something was going on, and we found out what it was. So I think Detroit killed the draft they probably had a top two to three draft you know i like what cincinnati did you know unfortunately you know you mentioned the washington commanders and this is just yet another year where i sit by and i'm jealous of all the other players that the nfc east teams got so not only did dallas you know get motsey smith which you know surprised me i guess michael parsons was in on that i didn't I, I didn't yeah, read he that. He sent him a text message. Yeah, he sent I didn't a text read that. message to Smith. Yeah, I didn't read that prior prior to the draft, so I was unaware of that. But then, you know, they got um, Schoonmaker, the tight end out of Michigan. And then when all else fails, what do you do? Your scout is the daddy of a running back in the draft. Why don't you draft that running back too? So, you know, 5-6 Deuce Vaughn. And where they got him at, I like it. It's just another potential weapon, even if he ends up being a Dern Sproles punt return type dude, you know, it's just another weapon that, you know, Washington has to defend against. And what did Washington do, by the way, in the first round? They went and got a corner that's about an inch taller than me and weighs less than me. And, and yeah. mind you, and mind you, I'm my 14 year old son. And mind you, I just lost 50 nope. pounds. I just lost 50 pounds last year due to this damn thyroid. And I mean, I've gained like 25 of it back, but I still weigh more than this dude. And I only gained half of my weight back. You know what I'm saying? So my son is 5'10, 166. Now, now don't get 14. me wrong. Don't get me wrong. This dude is a dog. You know what I mean? But but you know, I was thinking about this. I was like, yo, so you got AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. You know what I mean? You got Brandon Cooks and CD Lamb with a little bit of Michael Gallup mixed in there. You know what I mean? And then the Giants went and got Jalen Hyatt. So there you go. Another player that I'm jealous of that another team got. So then we went and got another defensive back, you know, um, from Illinois in the, in the third round. 
you know, we went and got a, a center, so we needed some offensive line depth. I'm fine with that. Then we picked a linebacker in the seventh round who, like, probably is never going to see the field. So, you know, I, I'm just at the point where, you know what, new ownership, we're doing a transition, so I ain't going to kill them, you know. But just for, just for um, you know, some groundkeeping here, I got to let the people know that the Chargers went and got Max Dugan, you know, and the Rams went out and got Stetson Bennett because I know you were all concerned about where they would end up. But um, but I also like the Texas Hopefully draft. Hopefully their clipboard hands are strong. <laughs> I also like the Texas draft, and not just for the reasons that you said, but Nathaniel Dell, get to know that name. He is going to be a burner on special teams. He, he's a route runner. He's only like 5'8 or so. You know what I mean? So I don't know how big of an impact he'll make as a receiver. But he's going to have an impact, I think, one way or the other. And then Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State, you know, they got him late, six foot three. You know, now he's the tallest receiver on their whole roster. So, you know, so he'll find a place, you know. So I, I did like that. And I know. You got to throw it up. And I know that I told y'all that I can't drink no more because of this thyroid. You know, I haven't smoked, you know, in about a year or so. But something must have been wrong with me if I thought I saw the Patriots take. A kicker and a punter in the draft? Yeah, they just be winging it, man. <laughs> but they did do good because they went and got Christian Gonzalez, who was on the board and available. You know, you know, Washington could have got him. They could have got Joey Porter Jr. like I wanted originally, but they didn't. So congratulations, Pittsburgh Steelers, for getting Joey Porter Jr. and Broderick Jones for the offensive line. Got to protect that quarterback. So, you know, there wasn't – you know, I like the Zay Flowers pickup that you touched on. You know, um, Seattle, I thought, did really well getting not only Witherspoon in the first round, you know, but getting uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba later, too. You know, so yeah. like that was that was a great pickup. And then lastly, Tennessee, you know, um, I, I didn't know if they were going to move Derek Henry or not. I know we had heard some rumors and all that stuff, but I did like um, Ty J Spears, the running back from um, Tulane. You know, I think he's probably a little bit injury prone. But where they got him, I think, was good value. So we'll see how that works out. He'll be a change of pace. And, oh, I did forget one thing. And the Chicago Bears, Rashawn Johnson, he was B. John Robinson's backup at Texas. I think he's going to challenge for some snaps this year, you know, because, I mean, you got Deontay Foreman, whatever, you know. But all in all, I think those teams did really well. You know, if I didn't mention them, I probably don't think that they did that well or I didn't care. And then, of course, Kendry Miller from TCU, the running back to the Saints. You know, I think that was a good pickup to have the change of pace with Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Uh, the One of my takeaways from the draft was the uh, these people looking forward to who's going to tank for Caleb Williams. And I've, I saw a couple different times pundits or other guys with podcasts like ours talking about Arizona is in the prime position to draft Caleb Williams. I'm like, don't you know how contracts work? They just paid a guy $260 plus million. They're not going to draft Caleb Williams. But they got a lot of draft picks out of their moves. They just um, be talking. This, this, this notion that teams are going to tank. Like, mm-hmm. you have a 53-man roster. I think 45 men going to the game on Sunday. Practice squad, you got assistant coaches, GMs, assistant GMs. You have so many people whose lives are predicated mm-hmm. on wins and losses. 
There's no way in hell you're going to go into a season saying we're going to do poorly so we can get this guy that's playing college football next year to come save our team. Another have, another had, small dude. <laughs> yeah, I've had two I had two two of my sons that played football and immediately went from football to wrestling right after the season's over. So the dedication that they put into their bodies as teenagers to to be on the field for football like, don't ask the trainer any questions about this click in your shoulder because then you won't be able to play. Just put an extra pad underneath your shoulder pad so you can play. These are 16 and 17. My son was like 16, 17 years old, junior, senior year, staying on the field to play, mm-hmm. putting his body on the line, crying that senior night with his other classmates. He had no intention of even playing football past high school. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of dedication he put into playing high school football. Last year, my son had a fracture in his clavicle and he was trying me and him were sitting down here like listen i want to convince mom i want to play in this game because it's a rivalry game i can't let my team lose he's like i was supposed to be down for five weeks it's at four weeks by the time this game starts so this is an 11 this 11 12 year old mm-hmm. talking to me about i don't want to miss out on a football game because it's a rival from 10 minutes north of where we live and he wanted to play. So you mean to tell me you got NFL, you're a, a podcaster or an NFL exec or a pundit on TV. You're going to say like, oh, Arizona should tank. These guys should risk their bodies, risk their jobs, risk their livelihood to tank for a dude that's in Southern California or Drake May out of North Carolina or Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, it was the, the whole thing was idiotic. They have a lot of good draft capital. The Arizona Cardinals are in a winnable division. I don't know. Maybe you matched the – I know they got the new head coach out of Philly who looks a lot like a science teacher um, or a science substitute. Maybe you figure out a way to to squeeze out six to six to seven wins, maybe. But you're definitely not going out there putting your body on line to go one and 16 so a bunch of other dudes can come in and take your job. It doesn't make any sense. To include the coach. Because these owners are billionaires. If I give you a forty million dollar contract and I have two billion dollars in the bank, mm-hmm. I will gladly write off your forty million dollars to go get the next new hot coach. If you go one in sixteen, mm-hmm. so so I think Arizona's put themselves in a good position. Kyler Murray, I think more than likely, I think he towards ACL towards the end of the season, this November December time frame, more than likely. If he sits out this whole upcoming season, it wouldn't be abnormal, especially if they aren't doing well. If they are three and eight after, you know, 11 games, do you really want to come back and try to win six games in a row and just repair it on ACL? Mm-hmm. But the fact that people are just essentially saying, hey, you should just tank for kid, like, no, you play, you have your team, you play. This isn't fantasy football. This isn't a some fantasy football league where you, you know, you keep your players like now. This is a mm-hmm. real life league. But like I said, I think the draft works out. Uh Will Levis is probably gonna take Tannehill's job. I know he wasn't a big fan of Millick Willis getting drafted mm-hmm. last year. So I imagine Tannehill is probably gonna wiggle his way out of there sometime at training camp. I don't know who needs a quarterback, a veteran. Just wait for some injuries. Without even injuries, like so listen. I mean, does he go to Arizona? 
I don't know because he might make them good enough that they mess up whatever draft position they were going to have. Okay, yeah, that that's probably a possibility. You know, well, well, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Not that he's good enough, but that division ain't good enough to keep that from happening. <laughs> oh yeah, NFC. The NFC West definitely took a step back. I've I've saw this Aaron Aaron. Uh, what's the boy name? Sam Donald, not Aaron Donald. Sam Darnold. It's like, listen, he's Chase Daniel. He is a backup that you're going to pay a lot of money to because he holds a clipboard and he doesn't give you any problems. Right. Sam Darnold is not an NFL-ready quarterback. Zach Wilson is going to stand behind Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. They're already falling in love with him in New York City. I don't know. I mean, Rangers game. with all the Mac Jones talk, does New England maybe take a flyer just to get a veteran in there? On Tannehill? Yeah. No, because I think this might be Mac Jones, his 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 probationary year, his bro- probationary. You know, I'm trying to think what's the word I'm looking for, like audition year, like yeah, his making a audition. You're auditioning for you know this title going right. forward. Is this the year? Because you got him a real offensive coordinator. I don't know what Bill was thinking. Matt Patricia was a a defensive coordinator for you as a defensive genius, and you knew you put the whole plan in place. So you knew he wasn't giving you information. He was just retaining what you what you right, taught him. Right. So he leaves, goes to Detroit, and he's terrible. And then you mm-hmm. bring him back. I'm like, listen, I, I want you to call plays. Like, <laughs> what plays you want me to call? You know, all those plays that worked on your defense yeah. in Detroit – Call those and see if Mac can do it. Like, all right, we're gonna just run bubble screens, bubble screens. They ran like three bubble screens. What's Kansas day City back up these days? Did uh, Hitty retire? I think they got Blaine Gabbert. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. ready to get Blaine Gabbert. So that's a good move. All right, all right. You know, but I just want to let everybody know one more time. I just gotta say it one more time. Brick City, stand up. With the four to nothing lead with a minute 45 left in the game. So for all intents and purposes, the New Jersey Devils will be matching up with the Carolina Hurricanes in the next round of the NHL playoffs. We got Denver 24 to 21 early in the second quarter over Phoenix, and both teams are shooting terrible. You yeah, know, that's right? awful. That's an yeah. awful score. Yeah, so you know Blame but, the altitude. Yeah, yeah. You're blaming the altitude, but who are you blaming for these HBCU players not getting drafted? Uh, I'm blaming just logistics. I'm just blaming, like you know, we talked about in our pre-meeting. If I'm a scout, I don't, I don't need to go. I don't need to go to multiple HBCUs to look at players, even if that player is good. Because after your first, after the first, second round, halfway through the second round, what you're getting are. We'll say the first two rounds. First two rounds, you're getting 60 of the best players available, 64, give or take. And after the third round, you kind of just maybe you get a sleeper. That's when the sleepers start, that term sleepers or the best steals, because no one knows exactly what it's going to be. When you saw Vaughn Miller, you knew he was the number two overall pick. When you saw Cam Newton, you knew he was number one overall pick. When you saw Andrew Luck, when you see Lamar Jackson, when you see even Geno Smith to that effect, some of these guys just pop. But most of these guys pop at the same 
either the same conference or the same school. So if you were a scout and it's like, okay, I can go to the SWAC championship down south or I can go to the SEC championship where it's Georgia versus Alabama. Those 160 players on each side, we'll call it 40 draft eligible. You probably have eight to 12 of the top 60 players in the upcoming draft on that field. I think it was a stat where I saw the LSU Alabama championship game where it was like when they play that game, they're like nine to three and then they match up again in the championship game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LSU won nine to six in Tuscaloosa and then Alabama beat them 21 nothing in New Orleans in the title yeah. game. It was something like 28 to 30 players in in that game were, were in the NFL over the, like the next couple of years. Yeah. So I think the HBCUs, they, they don't get a lot of exposure. They don't have the TV deal. They probably are. They're definitely way – they get less funding than an Illinois or Nebraska or Washington or even Idaho for that matter. Definitely Utah or Arizona when he's Pac-12 school. So they're going to get underfunded. They don't have a big TV deal. And the talent you have there at your skill positions probably is comparable to what you get at Tennessee. There's probably wide receivers that run routes with the same amount of speed and technical skills as Zay Flowers or Jalen Hyatt or mm-hmm. Jackson Smith and Jigma at an HBCU, but he's not in a pro style offense or mm-hmm. he's not on TV or he doesn't have a pro ready quarterback throwing the ball. So he might only have 40 receptions because the ball's coming out late. Right. So if you don't if you don't get if you're not down there for the game, which most HBCUs are between like Maryland, South, and then you go as west as far as west as Texas, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like the extent. Like I don't I don't think there's any west of Texas. So if I'm already down there, I'm just going to Texas AM, I'm gonna go to Arkansas, we'll go to Ole Miss, we'll go to LSU, we'll go to Mississippi State. I'm not I might not. I might be able to, as a scout or mm-hmm. as a financial person, sending people out on the road. I might be able to get you to HBCU Southern versus Jackson State or Grambling versus Southern. One of these Martin Bayou games, Classic, baby. The Bayou Classic. But other than that, I can just get. I can recruit thirty players at a time in Georgia versus, <laughs> you know, LSU game mm-hmm. in November or October. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean because they're they're getting they're getting recruits up to North Dakota State, but that's the only reason you would go there. You're like, well, they they won eleven out of thirteen national championships, and they still only got three players that we know of, and that's Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, and this new guy with the teeth missing in the front. So they mm-hmm. won eleven out of thirteen national championships, and they still don't have that many guys just flooding you know, NFL draft rooms. Right. So it's just about, it's about location and exposure. All right. So like, look, Dion, like I need you to be a little more specific, you know, because Rafton sat up here on sports reports is ordered and then told y'all for the last couple of episodes that if you ask somebody multiple questions about something that they're upset or passionate about, they can't continue to give you answers. So Dion, it was great that you spoke up that only one HBCU player 
got drafted, whereas you had three other players on your Jackson State roster that could have been drafted. But Dion, who give us those names. You know, give us those names. Give us when did you, you know, what round could they have been drafted in or whatever, you know, because I was looking at this and, you know, I'm not going to go conference by conference, but, you know, looking at the NFL draft from this past week from G5 conferences. So that's the American Sun Belt, the MAC, the Mountain West and the Conference USA. I didn't count the independents because I know they had some in there as well, but I didn't count them. But out of those G5 conferences that I just named, there were 34 players selected total out of all those G5 conferences. Then in the FCS, there were 10 players drafted total. And of course, that includes the player from Jackson State, Isaiah Bolden. And then Division II schools had two players get drafted, one in the sixth round, one in the seventh round. So with that being said, like out of the out of all the other conferences, so that was 34, 44, 46. So that's 46 players that were non-Power 5 players that got drafted. And not including the independents like Notre Dame, Army, so on and so forth. So what SEC kid or Big Ten team did you have a player that should have been drafted ahead of one of those guys? You know, I'm pretty sure he had one. It's just a problem is the talent gap between your fifth round player you drafted and the undrafted player you signed. Like Mark Slarek gave a great example. They drafted a guy in the top 10, and then they got a guy, I believe, in the seventh round. And he said the first day of practice, he came out, and he was like, so who we got? They're like, oh, that's our first-round quarterback we drafted. And then the, who's this other guy? Look, this guy, we got him like the seventh round. And he was like, well, the guy we drafted in the top 10 looks terrible. This guy we drafted in the seventh round looks incredible. And he was talking about Heath Schuler that they drafted in the top five versus Gus Farrat. Yeah, guess who did that? The Washington. <laughs> so you, like, that was a glaring example, but – Kirk Cousins got a, was a fourth-round draft pick. RG3 was top two. Yeah, he was number two, yep, behind Luck. Mm-hmm. So Kirk Cousins still in the league. RG3 is wearing a suit, doing a great job as a commentator. So it's, it's not an exact science. But if you don't get the exposure, then the best – a viable HBCU player to get someone to come look at him if his talent is on par with a guy you got in the fourth round that went to Texas. And I'm already here to look at Art like for I'm already there to look at Archie next year. Arch Griff Arch Manning. Right. So we're already watching him. We're already looking at this guy and then the tight end that's running routes catches our eye. Or the mm-hmm. linemen running drills because we're already there to see Arch Manning. Mm-hmm. If if scouts and recruiters aren't going down to these schools to see a marquee player and then happen to stumble upon this, you know, this six foot four edge rusher that they didn't really know much about, but you see him in shorts and a t-shirt, you talk to him while you're there to look at, you know, some other player. 
but that's that's how it works. That's that networking aspect. Dion, like I said, we might have bestowed this responsibility onto him. And he was like, listen, I'm here to highlight what I do well as a coach and also say what Jackson State can do and how they can go forward in the future. But ultimately, my allegiance is to my opportunities that I'm going to get from this opportunity. Started in Texas as a high school coach at a big prep school. Got that job at Jackson State. Used that to leverage his job to Colorado. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure by 2026, when the Florida State job is viable and it's starting to look good and they're putting together seven, eight win seasons, he's like, okay, I'm going to go back home and, and get us over the hump. You know that's his path. It's the same path that Nick Saban took. It's the same path that Mike Krzyzewski took in basketball. Like All these college coaches take that path where they start out small, they go bigger, bigger, bigger. We might have bestowed this responsibility on him to be the voice. And I think what he's trying to do is trying to highlight, like, yo, check out these schools. But the infrastructure has to be in place for, to galvanize these people to go down and watch these games. Yeah, and that's where, like, so truth. the truth is always somewhere in the middle. You know what I mean? My side, your side, and the truth. Because, yeah. and not even saying that we're both lying or, like, trying to manipulate, but, you know, different people view things different ways. So, you know, like, Dion, you know, made his statement. And then, you know, I caught a clip of Shannon Sharp saying how the NFL doesn't care where you're from or what color you are. You know, they just want to, they just want the best talent out there. You know, that sounds correct to me. But there, then where he messed it up is what he, he said, this ain't affirmative action. You know, like, for one, totally unnecessary. You know, for two, totally off base. You know, if for three, where the hell are you going with that? I say that to say um, competition matters. So, you know, why are you going to Texas? Because they play in Oklahoma. You know, because they're playing Baylor, because they're playing TCU. Alabama's you playing LSU. viable draft picks in that yeah. starting lineup. Yeah, so so like I was so so like you're looking at your calendar, you know, you know, and by the way, like side note, I didn't even know Canelo was fighting this weekend, you know, until today, you know, but anyway, we'll come back to that. But anyway, so 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 you know, I was just I was just sitting there and I was thinking to myself, like when the season starts or when you get the schedule, the college football schedule for a year, you know, I'm sure a lot of scouts are like, yo, this is Alabama LSU weekend. You know, this is the Iron Bowl weekend, whatever. You got your marquee matchups that you got to be at, that you want to be at. And then you have somebody like Hendon Hooker come out of nowhere, take the world by storm, and then you're like, hey, I got to add Tennessee and Kentucky to my schedule. So I say that to say when I look at the HBCUs, the conference champion is ineligible for the FCS playoffs because they played a celebration bowl to determine the black national champion. But other teams from the HBCU conferences, so the MEAC and the SWAC, can send at-large teams, you know, if they're selected. So you're already starting off wrong because you're not even sending your best team to the playoff. Now, you can't tell me that a Jackson State-North Dakota State game wouldn't have done numbers, especially if it was a playoff game. You know, the HBCUs are beholden to their classics, and usually, whether it's football or basketball, the HBCU conferences, SWAC, MEAC, are always at the bottom. 
you know, and we we could get into the reasons why that is, but the fact is they're at the bottom. And these football teams, they just play each other all season. They play their conference, and then they usually have some kind of classic out of conference that they play against each other. You know, South Carolina State, Florida A&M, people playing Tennessee State, who's in the Ohio Valley, so on and so forth. You know what I mean? So we don't get to generally see Norfolk State play against William and Mary, you know, or you don't get to see Southern. And they're like 45 minutes apart. Right, and they're 45 minutes apart. Or you might get a school like Grambling go play a body bag game against a Pac-12 school or Big 12 school or whatever, you know, so they can get the million-dollar, $2 million payday. But they're going to spend $750,000 getting the players to the game. Right, but how am I supposed to scout you, you know, while you're losing 56 to nothing? You know, because you're probably being outclassed. You're probably being out coached, out toughed, all that, all those cliches. It's just the trench. It's just the trenches. Uh, Dion said it in an interview because Dion, Dion's going to be the catalyst for this for the next couple of years because everything is kind of transpiring at Colorado. Um, we we all know Dion's personality. Like I said a thousand times, he's the reason that I'm a fan of the Falcons oh, here. Oh, he conned you too, huh? Literally, the high stepping through the through the smoke with the. I was like, this is it. This is my guy. Like, yeah. I'm following this team, and I've been following them for, you know, over 30 years because of Right, it. right. But what he, he mentioned was we don't – they asked him if he would play, like, a game, like an Alabama game, one of those games where I think Georgia State beat someone recently. I forgot who it was. They paid – I think it was SEC school, maybe Kentucky. Right. I don't know if it was last season or season before, yeah, yeah, but yeah, – yeah. Keep Georgia going. State end up beating them. You know, it's like, yo, you paid us $3 million for us to come beat you. Yeah. Deion said, listen, he's like, we're not ready for that yet because we don't have the big boys up front. They don't have the trench plate. You can't block 300 pounders. We don't have 300 pounders of block, you know, to we don't have 300 pound defensive linemen to beat their 300 pound offensive linemen. And we don't have 300 pound offensive linemen to block their 300 pound defensive linemen. So, they're just at a disadvantage in that case with their own actual recruiting. So that lends itself more to why these guys aren't being drafted. Mm -hmm. I think the best case scenario is to the way they have used leverage to establish a black national champion, the classics, the way, you know, they, they've negotiated <clears throat> deals to play their games in Georgia dome or Superdome or any one of these big domes down South. They might need to come to the table in the next NFLPA collective bargaining and somehow introduce a HBCU supplemental draft that runs concurrently with the undrafted player. And the, the NFL teams get four more roster spots. So that's four more spots over 32 teams. So if my math is right, that's somewhere around like 136 that math is right. So when that range 138, 136, something like that, we'll figure the math out later. So now that gives you an opportunity to, to use those four extra spots to bring in HBCU players. You don't have to keep them, but you're getting four additional players that went to HBCUs after this draft. So you have the draft, the undrafted free agent signing, and then you have your HBCU supplemental signing which offers you four different, four additional spots. Something like that has happened because other than that, you're not going to, you're going to have to show up to NFL camps 
as an individual because your team isn't going to be more impressive. Nebraska's offense and defense is going to have more, is going to impress teams more as far as selecting offensive defensive linemen, front seven running backs, wide receivers, tight ends from Nebraska versus Wisconsin game in October, then Southern versus Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just the nature of the beast because they have enough players. The NFL draft and the supplemental uh, or the the undrafted uh, signing period. That's enough players. Most teams do a turnover. You have 53-man active roster, your practice squad. Most teams go down like 35 players at the end of the season that are no longer that are on a contract. Mm-hmm. And then they supplement that by getting about 60 guys and they go on a camp like 95 to 100 guys. So you just you get it to where five of those guys, not affirmative action, but you know, four or five of those guys come from HBCUs. You give them a try. You get them on the practice squad. I mean, talent is talent, but you're you're unlikely to get the Steve McNair, you know, first round draft pick. I mean, Shannon Sharp was went to a small scholar. Yeah, HBCU, Savannah State. Yeah, Savannah State undrafted, <clears throat> and he's an Hall of Fame. So that's why I think that's where he gets like talent will find you to find you. But now with so many avenues to where I can just, you can sit, I can go and if I'm a scout, I can sit in my office and pull up 50 players, Instagrams and watch their highlight tapes mm-hmm. and then map out my course. Like, okay, cool. I got this kid from Florida. I got a kid from Alabama. I got a kid from Tennessee. I got a kid from Texas that I really like. It's like, do I want to go all four of those places? When are they going to play each other? All right. He's going to play. Florida's going to play Texas in some offsite game at, you know, Jerry World. I'm going to go to that. I'm going to see 28 NFL-ready bodies versus going down to Norfolk State and maybe seeing one or two guys. Mm-hmm. And it's Norfolk State versus Virginia Union. It's like but see, and, but see, that's where but see, guys. But see, that's where I think – those things can happen in some ways, and obviously, I don't know the money that goes that gets involved. But you know, you like some of it, you, you, but, need, but you, you, know, need, you need to be able to write a blank check. Well, well, you know, like you'll normally have like Alabama, you know, play against someone in Jerry World to start the season, or you know, somebody goes play Georgia. Oregon just got their backs blown out by Georgia in the Georgia Dome for some strange reason. They wanted to do that, but you know, but 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 that's where, like, for me, like maybe. And I know Dion left Jackson State, but you know, but maybe that's something that could have been brokered. Like, hey, Jackson State, North Dakota State, Chicago, you know, playing in Soldier Field or playing in, you know, you got to uh, be able to sell Lucas it out. Oil. I, but I don't see why you wouldn't be able to. Like, I mean, well, I don't know what North Dakota that's State. That's far you know. from the south. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's far, far from North Dakota from as North well. Dakota. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm just using that as an example, though. It doesn't have to be that stadium, but I'm just saying that. You know, like these games, there's something there's something that has to be out there that maybe it has been discussed in both or ESPN or whoever just decided that it wasn't going to make them enough money and that's why it didn't happen. That's but thing. but I don't, but, know, I don't know if the game I don't know if the I don't know if the the game in of itself is enough to galvanize and generate draft 
it may not be, but 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 like you know, like in our pre meeting, I was talking about like the playoff, you know, where you know that could be happening, you know, before the bowl games start or like um, during the smaller bowl games, like the Belk Bowl or whatever, you know, like that's the where, Car Care Bowl. Yeah, and, and that's <laughs> that's where that's where if you know your SWAC champion or your MIAC champion is in the playoff, they match up against Furman or someone like that and. You know, you could have, you know, South Carolina State against Furman, you know, whatever the case may be. That's a local game, you know, playoff game, you know, buzz. You got some tense, tension there and, you know, all that stuff like that. You can have Norfolk State against William and Mary, you know, something like that could happen. Or Richmond, something like that could happen, you yeah. know. But, but you know, even with the playoff, because and I've read different things about how playoffs may lose the HBCU some money in the grand scheme of things, you know, but I would also argue like maybe you're losing money because you're losing in the first round. You know, if you win some playoff games, maybe you generate more money. I don't know. That's just a guess. But, but, but the point being is that if you're sending your second best team already, that didn't even win your conference, then I can't necessarily expect them to go beat conference champions from different conferences on a regular basis, but that'd be a chance. That's another chance potentially to get some scouts out there because, you know, 10 FCS players got drafted, I guess. But depending on what these teams are and who the hot player is at the moment, that could be a scout coming into that game that's getting a look, first look at your team and, you know, maybe gets, oh, my goodness, did you see that wide receiver and the routes that he was? Maybe that conversation can happen. But if you're just playing against each other and you're already not the best competition. So you got to get the exposure. Like you got, yeah, I'll, it goes bring, back to I'll bring back one yeah. of your, I bring back one of your points when we talked about in the early episode of I'd rather go seven and five and make forty million dollars as a team because there's TV deal in the Big Ten versus going nine and three and only making twenty million dollars in the Pac-12. Right. <clears throat> it might just be a situation where they're going to have to broker a deal with someone, some communications billionaire that owns like owns a TBS or TNT or BT or Oprah own network or something. Someone who has a network that people already pay for, or people can subscribe to for three ninety nine. You get all the HBCU games. People are like, you know what? I'll pay four bucks for for a month. For, you know, four bucks for the month. You get them for five or six months. You get 18 to 20, you know, you know, 18, 20, 30 bucks out of people. And now you're getting them on, you're getting these guys on TV. You're getting them good money deals. That way they can travel to Jackson State, could play Tennessee Chattanooga at one of the bigger stadiums in Tennessee. You know, or Florida A and M, they might not be able to sell out uh, the the Florida Gators at the Swamp, but maybe they can play at the Dolphin Stadium. I think the Dolphin Stadium is only like sixty thousand seats. A lot of NFL teams kind of consolidated the seat capacity sixty thousand. You know, Ann Arbor, it's like a hundred ten thousand people. Uh, Happy Valley is like 110, 112,000 people. LSU is like 100,000 people. You probably won't get 100,000 people at, at an HBCU game, but you can get 40. And if you play mm-hmm. in Miami, you get the tickets right. You might get to the 60 if you get the right matchup, but someone's going to have to back it financially. 
in order to get a real conversation going about the idea of, you know, HBCUs being highlighted more. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to have to fund it. Is that the whole field of dreams, if you build it, they will come. If you fund it, people will see it. Right. So you're going to have to be able to convince a financier that this is the benefit. And you can use you can use FCS because I remember, like we talk about this with NCAA tournament. Davidson wasn't on TV before Steph Curry went bananas and dropped like 40 in back-to-back games. Myville mm-hmm. Howard wasn't on TV until Zerbiak did this. You know, so after a while, you just get a situation where you build it, you get the infrastructure together, you get the money together, and then now you can you can talk about playing a game against Mountain Union. You can talk about playing a game against, you know, North Dakota State or South Dakota State or Norfolk State versus Women Mary because – Women Mary, wherever you get their money from, North State, wherever you get your money from, all right, let's see if we can sell out one of these stadiums that they built randomly throughout the country in the first right. football games. Well, you know, to be fair as well, I would be remiss and unfair if I didn't mention that HBCU Go, you know, signed a streaming deal with CBS that is supposed to start this upcoming football season. So, you know, so that, that brings a chance for more exposure. It's going to be... There's going to be HBCU games carried on CBS affiliates, you know, throughout the season. So that could be the start, you know, of something provided that's successful going forward. And just to clean up before we go to get it off my chest, you know, Shannon Sharp was drafted, you know, seventh round pick seventh at 192. Round, yeah. But but yeah, I get what you're saying. And he might as well have been undrafted. And, yeah. you know, but, but the other thing that I was going to mention or that I was going to ask you was, um, and I know this is different because it's the NBA. But I know Austin Reeves went undrafted and he had mentioned, like, I only want to work out for the Lakers or, you know, whatever it was. So, you know, um, could that be a better option? So even though an HBCU player isn't getting drafted per se, because I know, like, the Washington Commanders picked up some people or undrafted signings with some guys from Bowie State, which is a Division Two. HBCU in Maryland, in Bowie, Maryland. So, you know, from that standpoint, could that end up working out better is if they go undrafted, but have the selection of who, who they want to work out for or play for or whatever. I think as an individual, it could work out well. I remember this Lieutenant, he went to the Air Force Academy. He was Mount West player of the year. Um, Lieutenant Chad Hall. He I believe he's currently a coach on the bill staff, but he was on the Falcons practice squad after he was Mountain West offensive player of the year. Outstanding. He had like 200 total yards rushing and receiving against Notre Dame at Notre at South Bend. Great game. He was at Hill. He worked at, he worked at MOS at Hill. Um, so he had to fulfill his commitment. But then he worked out at the Utah Utes draft day and got drafted by the Eagles. So he played a couple years for the Eagles. I think he had a couple of years as a journeyman wide receiver for the 49ers, ended up being a coach. Um, so it can happen. You know, we can come from practice squad and, you know, get your shot. The benefit is that you get to now seek out the team you want. You can mm-hmm. submit your application to these five or six teams. And as an undrafted player, you might have to just work harder. It might be that the situation that uh, American black Americans in this country have had before. Like you, you, you might you might be at a deficit because of your the logistical advantage you just didn't have. 
you didn't have the advantage of a training staff. You don't have Oregon's locker room where there's Jordans everywhere and PS5s and Xboxes everywhere, and you get multiple personal trainers and they give you a closet full of supplements and vitamins and you can go from 6'3", 185 when you get there, you graduate and you're 6'4", 290. You know, like you don't have those, you might not have that kind of access to um, health and nutrition and just equipment. Right, right. But if you go undrafted, you stay healthy, stay ready, stay working, and you get a shot and you get to go to a team, there's nothing to do. You know, I, I say you but you know, you it's a copycat it league, right? Because all it takes is a few, I guess. You know, uh, like I like I was reading about uh, James Houston, who got drafted by the Lions in the sixth round last year. You know, um, you know, he was a sixth round pick. Um, and you know, he came from Jackson State. So, you know, he had the Dion thing going on. But, you know, from everything that I was reading, you know, he's one of the top linebackers on the roster. So, you know, I guess like all it, I mean, all sometimes it takes is a few. Yeah, sometimes it's, you know, opportunity, relationship, and execution. All right. So I guess I'll start off to get it off my chest. Uh, mine is pretty short and sweet. And it's positive. You, know, you got a positive one too. I got one yeah, too. Yeah, I got positive because I just want people to know that even though my Salt Lake Bees pin, even though March is in our rearview mirror, the madness is here because we just had the Boston Bruins <laughs> win the most games in an NHL season. Score more points than any team in a NHL season. <laughs> and they gone. They gone. They got eliminated in game seven yesterday by the Florida Panthers. You know, so like this is what sports is about. You can be the best team, but you still got to go out there and you still got to do what you're supposed to do. You still got to execute and you got to show that you're the better team. But they gone. Or how about defending champion Colorado Avalanche? They gone. They lost game seven to the Seattle Kraken last night. And what's so fascinating about this is last season, the Seattle Kraken only won 27 games. And here they are, come back the next year and knock off the champs. <laughs> For all you big city, big market people out there, I've been talking about it. The Devils and Rangers played in game seven tonight. Now, granted, it wasn't very much of a game and, you know, Jersey put the beat down on them, but you had your big market, your epic game seven, Brick City stand up, you know what I'm saying? And of course, for like people like me that champion the little guy, you know, Jersey getting the win over New York is always a win for everybody in my book, you know? And then, speaking of that president's trophy that I brought up ago, uh, a little while ago, you know, only twice in the last 20 years has the team that won the president's trophy won the Stanley cup. And the president's trophy is basically given to the best team at the end of the regular season. So only twice in the last 20 years has that happened where the president's trophy winner went on to become the Stanley cup champion. And like I said, Boston's gone. So it ain't going to happen this year. The last time it happened was 2015, the Chicago Blackhawks. And then finally, just in case that wasn't enough for you, you know, saying, Drake, I hope you're listening to this. You know, saying, I hope you're listening to this. The Toronto Maple Leafs 
have the second most Stanley Cups in NHL history. You know what's so funny about that, Raph? They haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1967, (laughs) which was 14 years before I was born. But not only that, but this weekend, when they took out the Tampa Bay Lightning, that was their first series win since 2004. The madness is here. NHL. That's all I got. Telling you, hockey live is... It's an experience. Even if you don't know what's going on, ask the person next to you. They'll explain it. They'll get you. They'll get you all squared away. Yes. Uh, but yeah, hockey live. It's action packed. It almost never stops. I mean, when the whistle stops, they got to reset and everything. But if it's back and forth, it'll stay back and forth. You need in hockey's. You need a team because everyone knows Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin. And Kane coming for you, Wayne Gretzky. You know, like some of these top young players, PK Subban when he was in the league, you know, those guys gotta get a break. You know, it's hockey's three 20-minute periods with 60 minutes. The top players only play like 19 to 20 minutes. So it's a rotation. Like, you know, they might go up and down, up and down, up and down. Like, yo, I need a break because they go all out because it's such a team sport that one through like I think it's like 16 players. I think it's like three or four lines you run. And it could be like 16 to 20 players on the bench. A lot of them getting in, except for the backup goalie. Backup goalie probably <laughs> only do the sitting there just chilling until somebody gets pulled and he get, has to go in. But a lot of players going, a lot of action, a lot of movement. They don't stop to get the subs in. They just skate over, they break a stick, somebody else hands them one. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It's it's a, it's a great, great sport to watch. Oh, and, and a quick side note, just in case you were wondering, the Pittsburgh Pirates are still in first place. Yeah, this this might be the year. Baseball, <laughs> like baseball is what another one of those sports where they give you time where you, you're probably going to hear about pundits, people talk about break up the Memphis Grizzlies. If the Celtics go down 2-0, the conversation is going to be, can Jalen Brown and Tatum work together? All these other sports are quick to get rid of players. Tyreek Hill went to Miami and left Patrick Mahomes for the money when they were willing to probably pay him. Devontae Adams went to Las Vegas, leave Aaron Rodgers behind. Like teams in these other sports kind of break apart. Baseball, they'll be terrible for three years. They'll get all these prospects. Give them three years of the minor leagues and to bring them all up at once. It says go. And then next thing you know, it's May 1st and you're 18 and nine, first in your division, 20 and 10. And there's people like, yo, what's going on? Because they stuck to the plan. Mm-hmm. You know, they stuck to it. So all right, shout out to NHL. Get off my chest. I wanted to give a shout out to USA rugby. I bought a jersey from a for a player, Alona Mar. I'm going to try to turn around here with my camera without knocking everything over. I'll see if I can get my camera around. Number two, she is currently recovering from ankle surgery. I'm just a, like I said, I talk about my sons a lot, but I also am a proud girl dad. My daughter started T-ball in April. She, uh, she wears number two for the, the T-ball Yankees out in Indiana. So I'm a big proponent of, of women's sports. Alona Mar is a 
big personality. She plays rugby. Uh, she's just constantly just shows like just embodies girl power. Um, she's like 5'11. She talks about her size. She's like 5'11, 200 pounds. Um, I'm not sure what all the positions of rugby are, but I can just tell that she's one of those people who definitely embodies girl power and strength and grace and power. You can you can have it all. You can do what you want to do. So big shout out to women's sports. Big shout out to the U.S. rugby women's rugby team. They qualified for the Olympics a couple of years ago. Like I said, she's recovering from ankle surgery. Was she? I think she played the she she broke her ankle and kept playing in the game. She thought it was a sprain, but it was like the bone was broken. So just shows that women can be beautiful and tough and strong and athletic and compete. Mm -hmm. And Title IX is in place for a reason. So we need to make sure we protect Title IX, protect women's sports, because women want to play sports. They should be allowed to play sports. They should be allowed to to be physical and tough and, and show that tenacity and show that energy as well as be respected financially respected emotionally respected when they their opinions um we talked we talked about a lot of different issues with women's sports and you know we can go in different many many different ways mm -hmm. with that but mm -hmm. women's sports need to be protected so shout out to alona mar and the u.s women's rugby team keep going out there keep doing your thing Keep showing the world that girl power is a real thing. We mm -hmm. all came from a woman, so we need to act like it. We need to respect the women, respect their effort, respect their hustle, respect their grind the same way we want to be respected. So that's shout right. out to all the women who play sports, even my little girl, Autumn, out there just killing it in T-ball out in Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like I said, just respect women's sports. Alona Mar, I want to salute you for your effort. And, you know, you follow her on Instagram. We'll I'll try to get this cut clipped, uh, this, yeah. this clip cut up, and uh, we'll post that. But yeah, so shout out to women's sports, shout out to Title Nine, shout out to Megan Rapino, uh, Abby Wambach, Alex Candace Morgan, Parker, Alex Morgan, Sue Bird, yes, uh, you know, Layla Deladon, Brittany Griner. I mean, like, you know, say Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark, yeah, Angel John Reese, Staley, you know, I mean, Angel Reese, Carol Swoops. Cheryl, Cheryl Miller. Swoops, I like Cheryl Swoops. Rebecca Lobo. Let's go. Yes. Hell, shout out Janari. Bianca Lawson. On the top. Pat Summit. You know, like, let's let's, let's, let's let's be for real. Like, women's sports teams protected. Shout out to Title IX. So, like I said. Dominique Dawes. Dominique Dawes. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Blow like, Joe. Yeah. And, and I want to give a special shout out. I wasn't even thinking about this until you just started running off names. But shout out to Maya Moore and Jonathan Irons, you know, um, their relationship and how that came to be. I'm sure most people know the story. You know, she helped get them out of jail, wrongly accused and everything, and they ended up falling in love and all that stuff. So, you know, Maya Respect Moore. the power of women. It's a real thing. You it's know what a saying? real thing. And all you right. know, plus, plus Monica been married to people and in other relationships. She's still holding C-Murder down after all these years. <laughs> respect, <laughs> respect the women, man. Respect women, respect their sport, respect their effort, respect their time. Don't yes. just allow people to tear down their sport. <laughs> Shout out to Lamar. Yes, sir. <laughs> America, we love you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting us. Like, subscribe, review. It is free. We appreciate it. You know, say subscribe to YouTube. 
clips coming your way, shorts coming your way. Sports Report is order is here to stay. Adios, America. <laughs> Au revoir.